When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a special episode of She Podcasts. What you will hear next is a live stream that Jess held on Friday, May 19th, sharing with our community the events that led up to our cancellation of the She Podcast Live conference and pivot to a virtual event. Hi, everyone. I just wanted to pop in and talk to yesterday's decision as far as changing the format and all the things that led to going virtual and things like that. So it really does start with a couple of years ago, right after the Arizona event, which, you know, people seem to love. That was during COVID, and that was a pretty big financial struggle to get sponsors for that. But we did. And, you know, at the last minute, a big one pulled out, and I lost a ton of my own money. To be transparent, it was $30,000. Um, that I had to pull from our savings account in order to have the event go live last year or two years ago. You know, that was difficult. But then after the event, you know, the event went well and everyone was happy and it was beautiful and the venue was beautiful. And then, you know, a month or so later, I went to go see with my team another hotel, which was close to me. It was in Washington, D.C. It was the MGM Grand. It was beautiful. You know, even though I wasn't ready to take that kind of loss again, my event planner and the sales manager and I, you know, thought it would be a a nice place to have the next one. It was just as beautiful, but not in, you know, the West Coast. We wanted to do something on the East Coast. Thank you, Brie. And so we, you know, I signed the contract. I knew how much the hotel rooms were, but I thought, you know, we discussed it and thought that this event would be more of a half retreat, half conference type of thing. And so I signed the contract. And then on the way home, we were talking with the team Um, And we were talking a little bit about budget and how much we were going to charge tickets for. And I was told, well, we have to charge $700 a ticket in order to break even. And I was like, no, 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 no. Can't, can't do that. Because I know that my community, you know, they're, they're independent creators, which you are. And, you know, it was right after COVID and it would be difficult. So I almost canceled it right then because I thought there's no way they're going to pay $700. That's fucking crazy. But when I talked to the team, you know, and, and I'm not a professional event planner. I did the first event with Chris's, Chris Kremitzos' help. You know, they thought based on what they had seen, which is fair enough, their event planners, you know, a year into getting to know our community, they, you know, saw that how responsive, enthusiastic and positive you all were. And they wanted to give, you know, you guys a, a good experience, which I did as well. I said, what the hell? Let's try it. Right. So it was so it was like January. By the time we signed the contract, we started selling the event for October. And, you know, we went and went and we had a good sale for Valentine's Day and we did very well on Mother's Day and we were getting some pushback about when it was going to be. We we went to Dallas Podcast Movement and we met a lot of people that said they would be interested in sponsoring. But what you guys don't realize is that hotels, or maybe you do realize this, hotels want, you know, especially if you're not an established company, like, like I'm not American Express, I'm not, um, you know, the New York Times, so I can't get the kind of like line of credit at a hotel that most companies can get. So that means they want everything up front before I get there. And that means food and beverage. It means all the hotel rooms for staff. It means everything. They want everything in advance. 
and they want half of that usually a month in advance. So let's say I got home from podcast movement, you know, the end of August and two weeks later, they wanted half the money. And at the time we had guesstimated about 500 people would be there. So food and beverage, because we wanted to give you guys breakfast three days. And, you know, there was a brunch the last day and there were parties at night. And I'll just be flat honest with you. It was $150,000. And that's just for food and beverage. So I didn't have that. I didn't have anywhere near that. I thought maybe I would have it by the time, you know, we re-signed, we signed all the people that we met in uh, Dallas at Podcast Movement. So I was like, listen, I went to the hotel and I said, you know, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, I'm not ready. I don't have as many ticket sales as I would like. And, you know, we were still in the process of signing sponsors. Maybe this would be better in this summer. And they said, you know what? You did express concern when you signed the contract that, you know, you may not be able to, you know, I said, like, what happened to me in Arizona while I was there? I told them, like, I'm very nervous about this. I don't want to be in the same position where I don't have enough money when I show up there. It will be terrible. They agreed. So they let me push it until June. And then the fall was going to be meant for, you know, making sure sponsors signed up for June. And, you know, we did a little bit of that. And some of them wanted to wait till the first of the year. Well, between October, when we were supposed to have the event and New Year's Eve, I don't know if you remember, but there was like sort of a shift in the economy. People started talking about next year, you know, and like it really started happening around New Year's Eve. Recession was the word they were using words like recession. We're going to go into a huge recession. And then there were some articles that started coming out about podcast advertising being like at an all time low. People were pulling their budgets. People weren't paying for it and so on and so forth. Well, that made a big dent in the amount of sponsorship support that we were going to have. Because a lot of the people that were once interested and said, let's wait, talk about it the first of the year, like they were having spending freezes and hiring freezes and things like that. And so I started to worry, you know, that it wasn't going to be what we wanted. But, you know, we even talked about this January, February, like, should we just go virtual now? Should we just cancel it now before anyone gets, you know, into it? And I thought, you know, I haven't tried every avenue. We had lots of plans. You know, I wanted to reach out to LGBTQ communities, women's organizations in Washington, D.C. to see if they would share it with their community members. We went after local colleges, community colleges, their media department, journalism department, communications departments to see if the staff would like to bring their students at a discount. Hey, guess what I found out? There are no podcasting things happening. There's two colleges, I think, in the country that have a podcasting department, and that's Baltimore County Community College, which was which they were going to come, and University of Texas, and they were going to come. Um, but that's all I could get from that. And then, you know, we started looking at what other things we, you know, I put the event on all the, you know, events lists in Washington, D.C., and then I started asking other communities to help me share it. And then I started asking my influencer friends who may or may not be podcasters to share it. And we started asking speakers to share it and we, you know, asked sponsors to share it and, and everyone did everything that they were supposed to do. I'm not going to sit here and say, well, we didn't have enough support. So that's why. That's not why. We have lots of support. You can see from the original post that I did this morning, this community is full of support. They are full of support. They are full of help. People are messaging me privately to say, how can you help, et cetera, and so forth. And honestly, here is what uh, oh, I didn't know that. Thank you. S uh, SUNY Stony Brook has a podcast program. Well, that's good to know. Thank you. If you guys know any other ones, just post them here. Because um, like I said, we still... So anyway, I'm still going back to the story. So Valentine's Day comes around and the ticket sales aren't what I thought they could be. But we thought, well, I mean, there's still Mother's Day. 
Um, and there's a couple other things we were trying. You know, we were still we still had lots of sponsors that we were talking to, but many of the bigger companies and I don't want to call, you know, I don't necessarily want to call them out, but you know who they are. There's five big companies in podcasting right now. There's Amazon, SiriusXM, Spotify, iHeartRadio, but all of them have cut budgets. Some of them didn't get their budgets until March. So that left us waiting, waiting, waiting to see how much money would we have enough? Would we have enough? Would we have enough? And then Mother's Day came. Apple, thank you. So Apple doesn't sponsor, but they do pay to do educational programming at an event, which they had indicated that they were interested in doing. But Mother's Day came and I expected a really big surge in ticket. They've been trickling in like, which I thought the closer you get to an event in, in my past, the more tickets sell. And the closer we were getting to this one, they were not selling. So I thought, OK, Mother's Day will be a huge boon. And then also let's announce the finalists for the Sonic Bloom Awards because maybe some of them don't have tickets and they'll want to gum because, you know, they're they're up for an award. So we did the finalist announcement Monday and I worked all week the prior week to listen to 180 shows to figure out who was going to be, you know, like not just I'm not the only one that did it. We had a whole team of people doing it. But like I wanted to make sure that I heard every show, made sure it was in the right category and so on and so forth, because I wanted to make sure I was doing everything right. So we finally were able to announce the finalists on Monday. And then by Wednesday, no ticket, not one ticket, not one ticket sold. And I know that the tickets are 300 and 500. I know that the hotel rooms were high as well. I know that. I went forward knowing that because, like I said, we thought it would be like a special retreat experience. So, yeah, you were going to buy your tickets and then got cancellation. Right. But lots of people are like that, Blake. I know that, but not enough. So that's the thing, right? It's like at this point, OK, at some point I, I need to go backwards a little bit. Around March, I went to the hotel because if you cancel, the closer you get to the event when you cancel, the more you owe. So if I had canceled in January, I'd owe zilch. If I had canceled in March, I'd owe half. If I cancel in April, I'd owe 60%. This is now like 70, 80%. So if they don't resell our hotel rooms, I will be on the hook for that. But I wrote them a long letter. I told them everything that I did to try and get the money for them. I started a charity thinking that sponsors would be more apt to donate if it were a 501c3. So we created a 501c3 entity. Um, don't be sorry. Please don't be sorry, Blake. Even if you had done it earlier, it wouldn't have made a difference. I mean... It would only make a difference if a hundred of you have done it earlier or if a hundred of more of you wanted to do it. I had a feeling from the beginning it would be a hard sell because it's right after COVID. Women were hit the hardest and this was an expensive event. So I had a feeling this might happen, but I should have listened to that. But I'm hopeful. I'm a hopeful person. I'm optimistic and I don't like to admit defeat. Right. So. I wrote them this letter. I said, I cannot pay you $150,000 for food and beverage. Please let me give you what I can. Well, how much do you think you can give us? Well, we redid the food and beverage for 100 people. Like 300 people were going to be there that we knew already. But I did it for 100 people so I could give them the money. Well, so then they wanted to take space away because they were like, well, if you only have 100 people, you don't need all the space. And I was like, well, we, we do have more than 100 people. We just can't afford food and beverage for them all yet because I thought, between then and now, I would make enough money to give them what they needed, which, by the way, they needed tomorrow because it's a month away. So May 19th was my deadline. And I realized yesterday after the announcements, there was just no way it went from one hundred fifty thousand to 50. But we still are. I'm still not close. We still have no there's no way. 
we decided, should we go virtual? What should we do? Virtual means that more people can come, but it also means that like I've now canceled it again, which I don't want to do because first of all, I don't have the, I, I mean, the money, the ticket money does not sit in an account waiting to go towards a hotel. I have staff that I pay. We have expenses like active campaign, like, you know, all the other things that we use to market ads, whatever. But really, you know, I think people think that because we've been around a long time um, and because we're well known or well established that we have someone paying our salary. Um, but we don't. I have not had a salary since I started this event. The first event in Atlanta was the first time I made money. It was me and Chris. That's it. We did the entire. I mean, no, that's not true. Emily Prokop. She was a um, volunteer. Thank God. And the three of us worked ourselves to the bone for that first event. And I made a little bit of profit. But there was also a Kickstarter. And also I got lucky with that hotel because they had had a cancellation. So I got it for cheaper. So I was spoiled. Then that once the um, pandemic happened, um, I had to work with that was the Arizona Hotel. And all the ticket sales went to that. All the sponsorship went to that. Everything went to that. I made no money. I had to pay my, you know, I pay my event planner and her staff. I've not had a salary in like four years. Not that I'm, you know, I'm not blaming anyone for that. But you guys should just know, like, it's not as if the money is just like, like, I'm not getting my nails done or like, you know, going out to eat. My husband and I live on what we have. This is not a revenue generating thing. So think about that. Like, it's not a revenue generating thing. And yes, it's the only thing I've had to focus on for three years. So for three years, I've not made money. And all the money that's come in has gone to expenses. So when we tell you that we're offering you a virtual event and it will be the same content and Chris was kind enough to say he would honor your tickets at PodFest, which means that, yes, you, you don't have an in-person DC event to go to anymore, but you can go to PodFest in Orlando for free and we can still see each other all together for free. And he gave us space in the hotel before his event, two days before his event to do an in-person event. So I don't even have to take away the whole experience, just the DC experience, because I because we don't have enough money for the hotel. But that doesn't mean I have to like I clearly I'm not happy because I know that people have flights and plans and things like that. And I mean, it was miserable. It was miserable in October when I did it. It was miserable yesterday when I did it. I mean, my husband came in and said, you should take your laptop outside today. It's gorgeous out. And I said, I don't feel like I deserve sunshine because I. I feel terrible. I'm miserable. I'm miserable over it. It's not even about me. Let's not even go down that path. It's not about me. It's not about my salary. It's about the fact that I started, you know, I tried to start a 501c3. I started different arms of the business. I reached out to all these people. I begged the hotel. I begged sponsors. I've been combing my LinkedIn, looking for just anyone that I was connected to that might be part of a company that might want to sponsor it. Didn't even care if it was Forget podcasting, because clearly that we're having issues, right? So I found the names and contacts of 200 different kinds of companies, meditation apps, cosmetics, apparel, retail, grocery, anything I could find. And I mean, you know, those relationships take follow up and follow up and follow up. And at this point, I was just I don't know that I had enough time to cultivate what I should have been cultivating for six, eight months. Here's the other thing about those five big companies. A lot of the companies that supported us in the past were bought by those companies, like 
like Wondering, Spreaker, you know, there's a few other ones where supporting She Podcast was a no-brainer, but now they don't necessarily have the same autonomy to make those decisions. And that's those are just examples that I pulled out of thin air, right? Like, I, I'm sure we still have their, in fact, I know we still have their support. It's just that their budgets are now part of Amazon budget and iHeart budget and other budgets, and they have less control over what they spend it on. But, you know, good for them. They got bought. That's amazing. It just was not good for us this time. So I want to be clear that, you know, there's many people that said, are you sure this is going to be live? Are you sure this is happening? And based on what I knew, yes, it was happening. We were going to get ticket sales on Mother's Day. We were going to have this or that. And then like two weeks ago, some sponsors pulled out and it was like it was another it was like thirty, forty thousand dollars worth of sponsorship that I had been depending on. And I realized like I just wasn't going to have enough. I was just going to have to just do what I had to do because the other option was taking out a second mortgage on my house because I don't have the kind of savings account that I had when I did this in Arizona. It's gone because I used it for that. So um, I can't do it again. And I love all the sweet comments that you guys thank you for understanding and being sympathetic and i think you guys are very nice but you know this message is also for the for the people who email me and who have lost you know i i'm not a travel agent but like i've had to move flights many times over the past four years and they just give you a credit they don't necessarily tell you you lost your money they will give you a credit and now you know the hotel rooms that if you want to participate in january in florida they're 120 dollars if you sign up now, they're $120. The rooms at the MGM were $265. Regardless, if you can't come to that, if you don't want the virtual, I mean, obviously I understand that and I don't begrudge you that, but you need to understand that I don't have an enormous pot of money to refund people who feel entitled to a refund. But I understand why you do and I want to give it back to you. And if you know me, which I feel like some of you do here, like they're asking how I can support you and how, you can't imagine the stress. I will talk about that in a second, Bethany, but I don't know how you can support me. I mean, because I really just need money to pay people back if they want it. And I don't want to ask for any more money from anyone ever again, ever. Anytime I offer something from now on is going to be something that like I personally offer, that I personally control the quality the quantity and the level at which i want to deliver i don't want to be beholden to economy or to big companies or to recession or to pandemic or to anything else that's why i used to like selling my skills and my knowledge i can write i can design i can speak i can teach and i know that when i do that it'll be great because i'm doing it and it's my level of you know it's the level of which i want to deliver and events are, I just was like at the mercy of so many things that I couldn't control. And personally, for me, that's very difficult. And it's very difficult for me to admit defeat. And you can ask my staff because we have had the conversation of what should we do at least once a month since January. And every time I've been like, but we haven't tried this and we haven't tried this and I can't give up until we do. And this time it just got too close. Like it's too close and I couldn't do it. As far as the stress, I mean, I realized my mother-in-law moved in with me. I have to look around because I don't want to hurt her feelings. But my mother-in-law moved in with me like three months before the Atlanta event. And she and she and my husband are sentimental. They like to keep their stuff, right? So I was like, there's so much stuff. The house is full of stuff. I don't know what to do. Well, since then, I've been like blaming 
the state of my house, which I mean, no, it's not a junkyard, but like it's a little overflowing with things. And I've been blaming it on the fact that no one here wants to throw anything away. That's not true. I realized that I have been fretting over an event since March 2020. I have not had time to cook dinner, organize my house, go to the doctor. I mean, there's just stuff that I stopped doing because all my attention was focused on what are we going to do? How are we going to get it? How are we going to get it? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And like, yeah, I've done a lot to make it work. And that's not an excuse for it not working. It's not an excuse for not having the money for refunds right away. It just is what it is. I wanted it to work. I did what I could for it to work. I would love for it to have worked. Actually, I think having started a 501c3 means that I could possibly get funding and grants to put on an event that I'm not paying for necessarily out of my, you know, out of my lack of salary or my lack of savings account like I'll have you know maybe we can get grants to put this event on for you because you deserve it and it's needed and it's wanted and without the stress and hassle of trying to figure out how it's going to happen who can I rely on to help me make it happen it shouldn't be like that I think events you know should be pre-funded I mean and, and Chris Kremitzos God bless him I mean like you know, he's going to do his 10th one in January, but it hasn't been easy. He's done one every year that I've done one through the pandemic, after the pandemic. It has been really hard. There was, you know, I don't want to speak for him, but it's been challenging as well. And part of the reason actually that he was so generous is because I, you know, we still collaborate together. And I called him and I was like, it's due tomorrow. I'm going to take out a loan. And he was like, do not take out a loan. I was like, ready to take out a personal loan. I'm going to make it happen. Let's do another loan. And he was like, do not, do not, do not. He was like, let me help you stop the bleeding. Here's what I can do for you and I'll help you. So just as a friend, he was just like, in order to save my own personal finances, he offered to honor all the tickets. It's a lot of tickets. It's a lot of generosity and and giving me the hotel space and giving us the opportunity to meet and still have the award show and still have everything in person in Florida. I mean, it's, a blessing but I'm also ready for um yeah you guys are saying like that it's not worth my well-being and financial disaster and again that was not actually conscious a conscious decision it just sort of happened I just realized this week like oh my god I've not been to this doctor because I don't feel like you know it's like have you ever like worked on something and then you're just like I can't stop to eat because I don't have time I can't stop to pee I don't have time I don't have time to shower you know you got to get it done and that just like it keeps happening with events because once you get this piece done, then this piece comes up. Then this, you know, what about food and beverage? What about, you know, how are people going to fly in? Where, the, you know, who needs a room? What speakers are going to be at which time? Who has travel arrangements at this time? Who can't come now? You know, it's like it's sort of a constant stream that just gets busier and busier as you get closer. Again, I think the charity will be a good way to circumvent this in the future. I also have another project that I don't want to announce yet because... I don't think it's the right time, but I do have something that we're working on in the fall that I think will be fun and more up my expertise alley. Oh, Jenny's saying it's something I will relearn. If you're talking about trusting myself, I mean, I'm I'm old now. I, I don't want to re relearn that anymore. I just want to trust myself and move on. I mean, and it's been so long working on it that like sometimes I think I don't even know what my skills are anymore. Like, what do I even do well because I've only been thinking about this for so long. This is just a personal like 
reflection, not necessarily like something that needs to be answered, but just to give you insight. And then I don't mean to bring up, you know, the saddest of stories, but like something similar happened when my daughter died. It was like, well, who am who am I supposed to be now? Because caring for her, worrying about her took up so much time that like once she was gone, I just was like, you kind of have like a crisis. What's it called? Identity crisis. <laughs> Sorry. I, I thank you, Andrea. So, yeah, I don't want to have an identity crisis, but some part of me is like, who am I without this event? Who am I if I'm not worrying about this for three years? Who will I be? What will I do? How would my day be different? Would I exercise? Would I cook more? Would I go to the grocery store? Because I've not done any of that for a long time. I'm sure you guys have questions. And I just want to say I don't plan on running away with the money or stiffing anyone out of anything. I really had hoped... Like Tracy said, I will never host an event. No, I recommend you host events if you have the money first, which is why like that first year when I did a Kickstarter, I did have the money first. So it worked out good. But I should have kickstarted every year to make sure I had the money. And instead, I figured like, oh, ticket sales and sponsorship and it'll happen. And you know what? Had there not been a pandemic, it probably would have been chef's kiss perfect. It probably would have been great. But instead... It was different. You know, I was in the this corner of my couch just fretting a lot of the time. And um, yeah, it's really stressful. But, you know, host an event. Just have the money first. Make sure you have the money to do it before you even sell tickets. Because if five sell and you have a contract, then you're going to be beholden to that contract, even if you only got six people there, right? You can always change it around. But I don't want to discourage people from having events. What I do want to encourage is for you to really know your audience, which I do. And if something is presented that doesn't match with who you know they are, decline, decline, decline. Don't be dumb and optimistic like me and say, well, maybe they'll love it. Like, you know them. I know you. You're independent creators with minimal budget. Lots of you are doing it on the side. Many of them are passion projects. Very few people, not in the world, but in this group. Many people are bootstrapping and don't do this for a living. Some do, but it's 21,000 women. And I've seen almost every conversation in here. And I know, I know. I thought they'll splurge on themselves, right? But I was being optimistic. And again, if you want to do an event, know your audience well. Know yourself well. Pull out if you, as soon as you think something might not be right. And don't, you know, that's the other thing. Like I was being very stubborn about the fact that I could not admit defeat. I did not want to admit it wasn't going to work. I did not want to admit it wasn't going well. I refused to admit that I had done everything. It was really that. I didn't want to, I didn't feel like I had done everything possible. What more could I do? Who else could I ask? I thought about all the wealthy people I knew and who, who would want to give me that kind of money? Dude, no one. There were times when I was like, looking up books about neurolinguistic programming and the dark arts of psychology, hoping that like some persuasive language would do the trick. Like I've thought of, you know, like I think my feet are very cute. Maybe if I sold a few pictures of them, that would work. Like, I mean, my head has just been like insane, thinking insane thoughts, right? Which we do when we're stressed out, but also when we don't want to admit defeat. And that is not good. I know that there are people who are watching this that probably aren't commenting that are angry, and I'm sorry, I don't want you to be angry. That's not my place to say or choice to have. It's your choice. Yeah, exactly. When all else fails, only fans. That's right. I got a rack like everybody else. Why not? 
<laughs> but um, people will probably pay me to not show it, which also you can still make money, right? It's fine with me. I feel energetically when it's coming out at me and I have done something that made people unhappy, just like it comes, you know, I feel it like it sounds very woo-woo, but I can feel it in the universe when I'm being supported and when I'm being doubted and questioned. And I understand and appreciate both. I really just want you to know everything that it took to get to this point and how much we agonized over it and how much my team talked me into it and how much, yeah, just how much I really wanted to have it. And I still really want to have it. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry if people feel misled and lied to. I'm sorry if they feel that I, you know, was sneaky and tricky. I'm really not that good at at being those things. I just gave the information I had at the time. If you asked me, is it definitely happening? And I said, yes, it's because I assumed it was definitely happening. I had no information otherwise. I was intent that it was happening. And it was only this week when I realized I had three days to come up with 50 grand that I was like, it's not happening. It's just not. It's not happening. You guys can always email me and ask me questions. Jess at ShePodcasts.com. You can also, if you're a speaker and you have some stuff you want to talk about with Melissa about virtual Melissa at ShePodcasts, although, you know, I'm not throwing her under the bus. Don't give her the business. You can give me the business. Don't give Melissa the business. Yeah, you guys are being so supportive in the comments. I cannot tell you how much that means to me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It means a lot. I wish I could say, here's what you can do to help. But there is not anything at the time except, you know, uh, there's no except. I can't think of anything. When I when I think of something, I'll let you guys know. For now, if you've already paid, hopefully you'll be okay with meeting in Orlando. If you want to attend virtually, we will, I, you know, right now, I mean, the normal ticket page is still up. Oh, this is the other thing I wanted to tell you. Why it was so weird the way we announced it. We figured out, remember I told you earlier in the video that like the closer you get to the event, the more you owe if you cancel. So we realized yesterday that at 31 days, I would owe 100% of what we signed up for. So that meant that I had to make the announcement yesterday, but I wasn't prepared to make that announcement yesterday. So I emailed the hotel yesterday to say, we're not doing it. And she wrote back and said, great, we will be releasing reservations immediately for the hotel. And I was like, I don't want them to find out that way. Don't release until Friday. And she was like, we can't not release until Friday. We have to resell them. We got to start now. So that's why I had to send the emails like that as fast as I could. And that's why nothing was posted on social media it was because I was sort of in a race to beat the hotel to tell you what was happening because they were just going to start getting rid of the reservations as soon as possible. Everyone should get their money back from their hotel reservation and you should be able to get a flight credit for a year anywhere you want to go, even if it's not Orlando, if you booked a flight. And yes, Corey, I love collaborating with you guys. We're definitely going to do that soon. And I'm really excited to be at PodFest next year. I do love that event. It's my favorite event, even if it is co-ed. Our event will not be co-ed. There are two days without uh, PodFest that we will have. And then if you want to continue into PodFest, he has welcomed you everyone to do so which i think is amazing um yeah bethany that's why you don't have a reservation because they cancel and you should get an email with them saying they canceled the reservation yeah they're all about those rooms in fact the fmb is the rooms is what costs the money if i'm on the hook for 500 rooms you figure out how much that is times you know 250 that is what i'm on the hook for 50 60 80 percent it's not the food they wanted money for the food friday but like 
if you know, and I don't have that, so therefore I have to cancel. But like now, I have to see if they're going to resell those rooms because if they only resell a hundred out of five hundred, guess who's got to pay for those four hundred rooms? It's me. We'll try to collect it because I don't have it. Let's see what happens, right? I mean, I again, I'm not trying to screw anybody out of money. I just I'm going to have it when I have it. I don't like to owe people money, so I like to pay it. And people who work for me know I like to pay as soon as I'm invoiced because it's my favorite thing to do is pay people what they're owed. I love it. It's the best part of being any kind of like boss or owner of a business is paying people. It's my favorite thing. But I just wanted to hop on here and tell you why and how and what was going on. If you still have questions for me, reach out to me. I would like to ask that you are kind, but I can take it if you're not. Not that I don't care, but just because I understand. And I, I am sympathetic and empathetic to how you're feeling. And I would feel the same way. So again, my apologies. And like, feel free to email me or comment here. And I really, I love you guys. And uh, I'm going to make it all right. And I'm going to make it really fun. And it's going to be to the caliber of what I expect us to deliver for you. Then that's what matters to me. So thank you guys so much. And I will talk to you soon. So that recording was my way of trying to explain in my own words what led up to making the decision not to have it in person this summer and to pivot to virtual, which I would not have probably done had I not had the offer from Chris Kremitzos to do another version of a live event before PodFest. He just happens to have a couple days you know, like when he signs the contract for that hotel, he has all their meeting space. And um, if you look at the floor plan, it's it's a significant amount of space. So he was kind enough to give us a room or two and also said he would honor the tickets that were purchased for She Podcast Live at PodFest, which I think is an amazing gesture. So if you get a chance, reach out to him and say thank you because it's it's extremely generous. So what should we talk about now that you've heard that you know, sort of like what happened after that or so after that video and after the announcement, I've had some interesting conversations with people that, you know, sort of have made me feel like this is less of a setback and more of like an eye opener for hopefully the members of the industry that haven't prioritized these types of events in the past. Oh, Friday, that was on Thursday when I when I recorded that. And then Friday, Imreel Morgan announced that she was not able to do the International Women's Podcast Festival this year for a similar reason, that there was not enough ticket or industry support. Between those two things, I'm hoping that it would be it will be a bit of a a wake up call for larger industry. Then again, as I said, like they don't pay attention necessarily to what we're doing. They don't budget for it. So maybe that, that will continue. But I will say that in the days since I made this decision, I've been clued into the fact that all along, I think that I've been looking for support in the wrong place. And this is from having a podcast ad agency. And this is from having an advertise, you know, being in advertising my whole life. Like my head immediately goes towards who has the biggest funds that can help. And that's not really who's interested in helping us or real or Black Podcast Association or BIPOC creators or whatever. We are much more interested in helping each other than iHeart and SiriusXM and anyone else would be in helping us. 
So like I had a conversation with Danielle from Women of Color Podcasters. I had a conversation quickly with Rita Batista from Latina Podcasters. And if you'll notice anywhere I've posted about the event since the beginning of time, Corey Gums from Black Podcasters is like, we're going to help you. We're support. Like, I, like I can't. Corey I can't. Gums. He needs Bless his him. own award. Bless him. Bless him. I, I've never posted anything about this event without him being like, woohoo, in the, in the comments. <laughs> Those are the people I think that not only do we need to support each other, but I should have looked to my community from the beginning, I think. My natural instinct is to schmooze with with large companies and get them to know and like me slash us and then partner because that's what you do when you're looking for advertisers and you want deep pockets. But I mean, this particular event started on the wrong foot just because it was an expensive venue. And we don't need that. Like as, hi, John, like as a group, as a community, we don't, I mean, expensive venues are nice and luxurious, but I don't know that we need that. We've never needed that in the past to come to connect and come together and have fun with each other. I thought it would be a nice to have. And I thought that by 2023, it would be affordable finally. Um, but those were incorrect assumptions. So, um, okay. So Cheryl is asking, what is the future lining up to be? Are there any more details in the email yet? And what's your vision? Those are all amazing questions. So let's start with the vision because it's starting to become clearer. Every day it becomes more clear. So like I had mentioned, I started a 501c3 in March, again, thinking that it would help people sponsor us more easily. But perhaps that was not meant to be because the 501c3 is filed. It is filed with the government. I have a tax ID. I have a letter of determination. I have a bank account. I have the whole thing. So it is ready immediately for funding for donations, for funding, for grants, for all the things. And we have board members. We have Elsie as the president of the board, and we have Margie as the vice president, and Melissa, the secretary, and Danielle Corbett from Women of Color Podcasters as the treasurer. And these are all subject to move depending on, you know, how we move forward. But my vision is this, that we start to add a board, a board of all the community leaders that this charity is set up to serve. And right now that's marginalized voices. It is called the Empowered Voice Initiative. It is not focused on women alone. It is focused on all marginalized voices. So we can support all the communities that I just mentioned. And I would love for all those community leaders to be on the board of this charity so we can together figure out A, how to get funding to the charity, and then B, how to distribute it amongst ourselves. What events does each one of us want to have? What education are we going to collaborate on together? How can we as a community serve the underrepresented members of that community as a whole? I don't mean to bastardize the conversation or make it about something that I've created, but it is conveniently ready. And it would be great if it could, you know, the Empowered Voice Initiative could be something that people support knowing and even choosing where the money is going to go. Because with a charity, you know, there's no owner. There can be an executive director, but it's not owned by one person. And when you donate money to it, if the donation is earmarked for a certain group, Legally, it has to go to that group. So if you, for example, were to give me a million dollars and you said it was only to go to Afros and audio, then darn it, they would have a million dollars to do it as they please. That's my vision at the moment. I haven't talked to those. I mean, you know, I've talked to a couple of those people, but not all of them. So my vision could drastically change depending on whether or not they think that's a terrible idea or a good idea. (laughs) I have no idea. 
if it's a terrible idea and they don't want to collaborate, then then I would use it, you know, to privately fundraise and then privately support things that matter to us as a an organization, as a board, as a community ourselves. It is separate from She Podcast. It is not She Podcast. It's not owned by She Podcast. She Podcast is meant to be one of the organizations that it serves. So if we want to have She Podcast live in the future, if we want to have a virtual summit, if we want to have retreats, if we want to have celebrities come and speak, it can facilitate that through funds that we raise. So I think that would be really cool. I've never had a nonprofit before. I've never, I've worked for one. It was a shit show, but it was like a local Jewish nonprofit. I didn't do anything in the money part. So I have never filed taxes for one. I've never, it's a lot of things. I need someone to help me with the things. I'll probably find someone that's like a nonprofit expert or someone who has run them many times to help us with the things. And I'm sure many of you who are listening are that person, which is great. But the other thing I think that Elsie and I wanted to reiterate for now is that from now, May 22nd until June 19th, we are taking our exact event that we promised and putting it virtually in Whova. And so this week, what we're doing is getting all the different speakers scheduled over those few days. So we don't want to start it too early. We can't end it too late. Because of East Coast, we don't want to start too early because West Coast. So we're looking at like 11 to 5 with keynotes in the morning, possibly the afternoon. But over the days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we should be able to get four or five hours of content into each day, leaving you time to do the things that you need to do earlier or later in the day, but still being able to deliver the content that we promised, which is the most important thing. I don't necessarily need charity. I mean, we we are going to be a charity, but I don't necessarily need like a collection to be created or for people to donate to something that will help me. I know that you just heard some of the hardships that I slash we have had to deal with. And that was my choice. I take responsibility for that. I don't expect to be bailed out for that. I don't expect to be saved from that. I made that decision every year, every day, every single time. And I'm not a martyr and I don't wear a cape. I just am a stubborn asshole who didn't want to admit it wasn't going to work. That's it. I'm not broke. I'm not destitute. I'm a CEO of a company that I thought would make revenue every year and it didn't, except for the first year. What I do like, though, and what has been happening a lot, Elsie, is like, So many people have asked how they can help or offered to help in different ways or asked if we'd like to talk after the virtual event about how to collaborate and how to change things and how to make things better. And I just think I'm the most taken aback and surprised, not surprised, I guess that's not true. I'm the most grateful for that, though, because once again, this is the second time in my life where, you know, something was happening to me that was beyond my control. And this community stepped in without questioning it and just said, where do I send money or what can I do to help? Like, I feel like it's been hundreds of people and I've never been more grateful for this community before ever. It's just been amazing. Something that I want to make sure people understand and I keep bringing this up to you, Jess, 
because I see some of the things that you're talking about from a different perspective and a little bit more from the operational perspective. Yeah. Taking away all of the emotions and the feelings and everything that you've already disclosed and all the, you know, yummy feelings in your heart and all of that stuff. But we have a virtual event to put together. Jess and team have a virtual event to put together, in all honesty. They need to have heads down to be able to do those things, put it out there, do the very best job that they can right now. And I understand that there's a lot of folks and that are having a lot of feelings. And we do, we have seen a lot of people coming together um, with everything that not only has She Podcast put out there, but also Content is Queen and Imrel stuff and mm-hmm. all of those things that are happening with the cancellation of that event as well. So there is a lot of like bubbling up feelings. And usually what happens is, You know, people get very like engaged and oh my God, oh my God. And then in the same way that happens with a lot of online things, it just loses steam and it goes away. So what I'm asking for most of people who have felt that feeling of like, how can we let this happen? Or I don't want this to happen again. Or how can we fix the problem? What you're going to have to do is something that many of us haven't done in a long time which is sit tight, be patient, be ready, and come back to Jess in mid-July. Well, no, I'm not. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm straight up saying this because I know, you're going to work your ass deep. off. What do you mean? Wait, just be quiet. Let me finish, please. You and the team are going to work your asses off to be able to deliver something through that time. You need to have some time on your own to just not deal with all of the stuff. There's going to be a lot of things you're going to have to deal with operationally, being online, managing people, managing emails, making sure people show up, all of whatever's going to happen when it mm-hmm. comes to dealing with the event. Then you're going to need some time to just deal with whatever happens after and yourself and the team to just pause. Then you can start the conversations with whatever it is or whoever it is that want to participate at that time. Unless they can be helpful right now, as in like mm-hmm. they're donating their time to do something or giving money right now to do something. But other than that, it's just going to take your brain, especially your brain, Jess, away from what operationally needs to be happening to put an live event on. Like you can't be going off and creating the vision of what's coming next if you have something you got to deliver on. I know what that feels like for me. I mean, that's true. But to some extent, everything that you just described is something that like staff will do. It's sort of my job as CEO to envision and create the next steps as the current ones are happening. So I don't mind it a little bit, but she's right. Like offering to help is amazing. I'm keeping like a list of things that are being offered so that I can take advantage of them when I need to, you know, and some people have, well, I don't want to say, but some people have offered to like sweeten the pot for the things that we're offering in, you know, in lieu of refunds for people, if they would rather have X, Y, and Z other than a refund. See, the problem with refunds, and I'll just say it here, even though no one wants to hear it, is that they're going to take time. I don't have, as I mentioned in the video, a big pot of ticket money. It goes to expenses as it comes in. So like one woman wrote me and said, you've had my money for a year. Well, most likely it went out within the 20 minutes it came in. Just saying, I've not had, I've not had anyone's money for a year. It leaves when it comes in because, you know, businesses are, I don't want to say expensive, but they cost, they have expenses. So anyway, it would be best if 
we didn't have to get refunds. I understand why that's not a popular thing to say. And also, if you're angry hearing it, because maybe I would be angry. I don't tend to get angry about stuff like that, but that's just me. I understand why other people are angry. And you have every right to be, if you are, if you're one of those people. I understand. It wasn't intentional. It certainly wasn't not from, you know, it was certainly wasn't something that happened from being carefree and, for lack of a better word, irresponsible. It's simply from, like I said, just thinking that it would come in in a different way. And then it just didn't. That's all. So what else? So are there any more details than in the email? Yeah. So the details that are coming out will be how to get virtual tickets, how to help sell virtual tickets if you want to share that link, and then how to get tickets for the event in January. If you have a ticket to this event, you already have a ticket to the virtual, to the new one in January, and to PodFest. So that's three events that you now have a ticket for simply by having a ticket to She Podcast Live, which I feel like is a miracle, really. It's a pretty good deal. But other people might want to join. So if you want to come in January and you're already going to be at PodFest or if you want to come to the virtual, we're going to probably have tickets on sale the next couple days. So Sharon says, can you do an open call for community commitment in July, not just for cash, but for concepts to move the community forward outside the structures of the big boys that are proving time and time again, they don't care. Mm, interesting. A call for community commitment. You know, nerd web designer that I am, I've been studying other nonprofit websites. And in doing so, I've learned a lot about how nonprofits accomplish what you're suggesting, a, a call for concepts and commitment and things like that. There are pledges we can ask people to take. There are memberships or yearly donations we can ask people to make. There are other ways to get around not being supported by, quote, the big boys, unquote. You know, I didn't even realize this the other day, but the other thing I noticed about those big boys is that they ate up all the little boys that were helping. <laughs> they gobbled up and swallowed three or four of my sponsors that were very generous, like Wondery and Simplecast and Spreaker and uh, I forget who, you know, who else was bought? Spreaker, Simplecast. You know, there's a bunch, though. There's a bunch that now are under the big five. I think there's five. I keep missing the fifth one. Amazon, Sirius, iHeart, Spotify, and audio. I, I mean, audio boom is a big one. Acast is a big one, but they haven't eaten anybody that was supporting us. Oh, Apple. Yeah. Apple doesn't really, they haven't really bought anything. They just don't do sponsorship in the traditional sense. So I believed that I, I, you know, they, they want to offer content, which I'm perfectly happy to allow them to do. Yeah. The big four in accounting. Yeah, totally. I love that idea of moving people in a direction of remembering that they're committed, remembering what they're committed to. And that doesn't necessarily have to just be to us. It's more than that. It's about, it's still about having events with too many white men, white people on panels. It's still about putting your monies, you know, instead of the bigger places, but the places that need it the most. That's a big mental switch. I have to also add another layer to it, which is something that a lot of community leaders also don't really speak about. And yes, agreed with what you're saying, because that's it's just a systemic cultural shift that needs to happen collectively, not just in podcasting, but everywhere. Mm -hmm. But also there's another aspect of it, which is really 
this, um, and I know it that it's especially coming up from a lot of folks who are just starting out or starting to build businesses around the creation of communities and the communities get very inspired by them. And then what ends up happening is we have cultivated a community or even a society that is very much lean back. So you get a lot of benefit from a lot of creators. You get a lot of benefit from a lot of people who are creating things for to be consumed. And we have become complacent that they will always be there and we will just get those things. And so there is a friction between being asked to show up. And I agree with Sharon that there is this open call for community commitment. But when you start to manage people's commitment, it becomes yet another issue because we all have, can you change it to a different time? I can't show up at that time. Hey, so-and-so did this. I was doing the thing and now I'm not doing it. Hey, can like, I've been on the other side of things because I kind of had live in the, in the very progressive, very forward-facing, very woke area of the entire United States, which is I'm not even going to say it at this moment, but these people, everybody wants to change the world, but nobody's willing to show up all the time and do it or invest in it. It's too hard. I don't want to do that. It's a little too late. People cancel all the time. I'm looking at it from the other perspective too. We have to inspire people to get, move forward, to do something, to engage. And we are not a society right now that's willing to do that in so many different for so many different reasons, even within our own communities. They just want the stuff and they want it the way they want it. And if it doesn't fit, they don't do it. You can see it from the lack of ticket sales. And I'm not just talking for She Podcast. I'm saying the lack of ticket sales, Mm -hmm. period. The lack of people buying a course from somebody. We have so many creators are putting themselves out, trying to make a living. And nobody's willing to take that action to invest in it. And I don't know what it is. I don't know why it's too much. And and we have to address that. We have to address that within ourselves. Is there a, a non-scalable model, so to speak? And I'm only using these numbers just because I'm, I'm just trying to easy numbers, right? Like is what we do, like let's say we're doing She Podcast Live and is, is our sweet spot going to be to sell 100 tickets? And that's it. Like there's never going to, it's never going to be more than a hundred. It's always going to, and that's enough. And that's it. And we're not looking to like the model. You just go like, I, I know I can always sell a hundred, yeah. but it's not going to get to something else. Or like, even when you're selling your courses, your, or services, I know that I can sell two consulting clients every month. I know that I can do that, but that's not enough to live on. But at least now, you know, Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm just saying that there is a lot of that. We have to look at our own communities and really see what are they willing to invest in? What what is their point? What is their point that they hit? Mm -hmm. Because we can't reimagine somebody else's behavior. Yeah, I can't do that. No, we can't. Right. And if, um, what if they don't care about showing up live? What if it's just like a spe- like a beautiful like a thought in their heads, but they're not willing to put their money where their mouth is? So if that's the case, straight up say it. We don't want a live event. We'd rather have this. 
or, or maybe there is a community who's totally into it. Let's invest it in there and let's us not do that. You know, and, and again, I'm not talking just directly about She Podcast. I'm just saying we have to be really clear about what our communities are willing to do and how we can also live a life where we get paid. I mean, I don't think that they are interested in, in a live event like this, because if they were, they would be coming. So it wasn't a priority this time around, but it hasn't been a priority since the pandemic. So I'm not sure that it is anymore. That's okay if it's not. And I don't need like to send out a survey to figure that out. I mean, I just have to look at ticket sales to figure it out. Oh, people are commenting. Hold on. Okay. So Alana says, I hate the idea in the industry right now where it's basically you have to have made it before you get help from big players. That's the same in book publishing, though. You have to have your own platform before they'll consider publishing your book from like a real publisher. That's why so many people self-publish because you have to have already made it before they'll consider you. Um, Jennifer says, we're all experiencing such a challenging time. I don't know anyone who hasn't been impacted by the slowdown. I'm hearing about folks who are feeling burned out at the constant grind with small return. Absolutely. Yep. It's very hard. It's all the way around. And then that's what I think that's exactly what Jennifer's talking about is what I'm calling out here. Because yes, there is the layer of the larger businesses. I, yeah. I get that of the big corporate folks. I get that. That's true. It's like I said before, it's a systemic issue mm -hmm. that is really rough. Yeah. But also within ourselves, this is happening in yeah. smaller ways. Absolutely. Okay, hold on. Let me go back to... Molly, Molly has yeah. something there. She has it. Molly says it's entitlement. People will be angry. The event doesn't include everyone 100%, but do nothing to contribute to creating that space. It's easy to judge what others aren't doing, especially when you're not doing anything to contribute. People want to be mad and want to be included, but don't offer the same in return. It's a very one-sided society. I mean, that's definitely true. Just to add a little bit also context to what Molly's saying as well, that I do feel that as creators, we each have a gift in what we do on the daily, meaning how we create money, how we make money, how we create our businesses, what it actually takes to put things out, all of those things. And every person has their own wisdom on how to do those things. And a lot of the time we come into it from the perspective of like, why didn't they just do insert whatever it was, right? It's this yeah. like, they should have done this. They could have done this. That worked for me. Well, there are other things that are layered into that, right? There are some folks who have had the experience that you have had for sure. Were there, there are times when we make mistakes as business owners. That is also true. But there's also a lot of time that you don't really understand the reality of, of a situation, the complexity of what it takes, like what you were disclosing for the, especially for the conference stuff. Like yeah. people are like, why are they, you know, there's so many, like, why aren't they paying speakers? Why are the tickets so expensive? Why can't we have, I don't know, breakfast? Like I'm just coming up yeah. with stuff, but, but it's like, they reasons. don't, yeah, they're, they don't know what that is. Yeah. Like I did have the suggestion of putting up when I do put up what things can do, what people can donate to, of was it your suggestion also because a couple of people have suggested it of being very specific so for example a photographer's four thousand dollars oh this yeah yeah that's what yeah put I, towards I that, that. For you. av yeah. is however many dollars put towards that tickets are how yeah. you know put towards that oh but i wanted to address one other thing while we're on the subject just before i forget because i just had someone email me very unhappy that it's in florida I saw that the NAACP issued a travel warning for black people not to go to florida and I've already had some people 
expressed to me that because they're gay or in a gay relationship that it's not safe for them there. And I feel terrible about that. I'm not sure what to do. I'm not sure there's anything I can do about the fact that we've moved it to Florida because, again, I was given free conference space and I already have someone, like I said, in my email accusing me of just doing it to save money (laughs) when, you know, like I just chose it to save money. I didn't choose it. It was given to me by a friend who lives in Florida. Their event is every year in Florida. And I understand people don't feel safe and there's a travel ban. And perhaps between now and then there's something I can do about that. But there's no but. I don't know what to say about whether or not you can come or don't come. I think you have to use your own discretion. I know that it was brought up on one of the social posts over the weekend or in a chat. And there are women from Orlando that, you know, have stated that they have a very strong black and LGBTQ community already in Orlando, that they live there all the time. And not everyone can just move away when someone puts together a travel ban. So there is a community there. I'm sure just like in Atlanta, the first year when people were unhappy with me going to Atlanta, you know, that that community still deserves to be supported and educated and seen and heard and visited. So I don't think I'll change the venue because I didn't really choose it in the first place. But if that's a possibility, I'll have to let you guys know. I don't want to say no because, you know, obviously I don't want participants to be unsafe, but I also haven't read enough to know whether or not that's like a, is that a statement? that the NAACP did that? Or is there like, I mean, it's obviously a statement. It's a big statement to say black people aren't safe in Florida. That's a very big statement. But I don't know if it means, it's not like COVID, I guess is what I'm saying, but it's probably still dangerous. But everywhere is dangerous right now too. First of all, I'm having some serious thoughts about the whole Florida situation myself. I am just too. Because it is, no, no, but no, hold, hold up. Ideal. Let me finish. Okay, because I did... When I wrote my piece of what I put out there, a blog post that I wrote about a lot of the feelings that I was having, Mm -hmm. I had some of the most meaningful people to me in the podcasting space are black women and especially from the LGBTQ plus community. I know. And knowing that choosing a venue could possibly harm them and have them feel completely unsafe and knowing the kind of news that are going out from coming from Florida to basically make them inhuman in some way, like just diminish them in such a fight. I was just like, oh, Jesus. But at the same time, there is a situation right now that you needed help with. And you had somebody who I truly respect who I, one person who stepped the fuck up to bail you out and bail our community out because he is a, just a dear, kind soul and generous soul who just straight up said it. And there's two things happening at the same time that can be true. And so I sat there and I was like, it may gave me such frustration. So this is what I wrote on my piece. Okay. On my blog post. And this is what I said. I said, I'm disappointed that urgent solutions to crisis situations 
are a compromise among imperfect choices. And as much as the choice saves, it also harms. And the harm goes directly to those that are the most vulnerable. So I hear you and I, I'm there. I get it. I have zero, zero desire to have any of the folks that feel unsafe to attend She Podcast Live in Orlando. I completely understand. I would never ask you to go to an event where you in any way, shape or form feel less than supported, loved, safe and protected ever. That's right. So then I started to think like, is there something we can in lieu of it and as a way to represent that in some way, shape or form? Can we call it out? Can we have programming around it? Can we just make something work within that scope where we are, we challenge and we are able to bring information to the table in some way honor those folks that are dear and near to me and to a lot of us and honor them by them not being there and not require them to be there. So there's that aspect of it. So there's I no get requirement it. requirement ever there's, right? anyway, but it's really like... I don't know. Um, Alana sent the, a quote from the statement that was made by the w- NWACP. It says, therefore, we're advising African-Americans and others that if you travel to Florida, beware that your life is not valued, that we have a political landscape that could cause harm as we prepare for 2024 elections to right size the political landscape in the state of Florida. I mean, it's not wishy-washy. It's not Let's ideal. Let's put it that way. That's for sure. It's not ideal at all. There, and again, two things can be true at once, right? Two yes. things can be true at once. And part of it is that what I don't want folks to think is exactly what you were saying before that you just did something because of you wanted yeah. to save money. Like, yeah, I don't that, want I really you guys. That, actually. It's like it is one of those things where there needed to be choices made fast. And they needed to be done in a way that was, you don't have too many choices. It's either this or you do this. And we happen to have had, again, Chris Kremitzos, who stepped up and was there, right? Because he wants to be there and he wants to support. And guess what? He doesn't care what people are saying. He wanted to take care of Jess. Yeah, that's he was being a friend and a supporter and an ally. Yeah. So, yes, we respect that in no way does that also discount how choosing to go to Orlando can feel incredibly unsafe and harmful to people who are the most vulnerable. This is also true. And of course, we don't want that. Of course, it's a problem. Of course, it's a problem. And therefore, we have to settle into it and be as intentional and supportive of us and one another and know that we, you know, we will make different choices in the, as we move forward and be more considerate and really put this into view and, and how can we help all of us move forward together? Because there was no easy, you know what, let's just do it. It will save so much money to do this. (laughs) I mean, look, the first year, as soon as I announced it was going to be in Atlanta, they banned abortion. Like within minutes, probably, of me announcing that they banned abortion. And then in Arizona, you know, I signed that before there was a pandemic. And then during the pandemic, they, the government and other people just ex- 
refused to admit it even existed until it came there. And then they had a different story. But it still took me five months to convince the guy to let me postpone. So that's five months of a pandemic where I'm like, oh, my God, they're going to make me pay this money. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And by the way, the hotel that we stayed in hosted a QAnon convention right before, like months before we got there. Surprise! So that wasn't ideal either. I was desperate to figure out how, you know, how to hide that, but there's no reason to. But yeah, Arizona wasn't real popular. Washington was not popular for, and again, this is just a few people. It's a few people every time. It's too political. It feels weird. It's not a draw. No one wants to go there. And now Florida has been declared unsafe. It doesn't necessarily say that. What it says is, we have a political landscape that can cause harm. Anyway, I'm not going to piddle over details. The point is, I cannot think of any place that wouldn't give me issue because if it's too far north, the southerners have problems. If it's too far west, it's got to be east. If it's too far east, it's got to be west. If it's too political, it's got to be less political. If it's too right, it's got to be left. If it's too left, it's got to be right. I cannot win when it comes to the venues and the cities. I have yet to win. Chris has it the same place every year. Why? He lives there. Why do you think Podcast Movement's been in Dallas so many times? They they live in the South. I can't make everything we do for everyone. It, ha- it has to be, a dis- like she said, it was a quick decision that was made out of total desperation. It was an urgent decision. You needed to make an urgent decision. You didn't have the priv- like the, the space to be able to weigh different options. And also those, a lot of options weren't really there. You know, there's like, sometimes you got to go in on a choice. You got to do it because it happens at this time. And I know that there have been many situations, especially when it's in an urgent state and you don't have the resources around you, you take the, just the next best choice, the next best choice, right? Not the ultimate or the optimal. And a lot of the time that takes, that takes a lot to be able to make those decisions. And unfortunately, where you were at that point, you couldn't really do that. I understand that, but I also don't discount. No, I don't want to discount anyone's feelings about it. It's just that with all things, event planners cannot make every problem their problem. And I'm starting to notice that that's who writes first. Right. But here's who I, uh, sorry, I, I'm not to mean to interrupt that, but like the, I think that the only thing that solves this problem, and it's something that I often speak of all the time, especially the folks that have worked with me for a long time, but it's really, what are your values and what is your mission statement? And then you stick by that because if you put X vision X mission front and center, then the choices that you do are based on serving them. The end. Now, mm-hmm. and the clearer you get at doing that, because even as you were talking prior, like the vision's coming into my head, right? About the charity and all that stuff. A lot of vision work or mission work or where you're really truly wanting to put your stake on mm-hmm. comes with time. And it comes with being able to feel it out and really go like, this is what I'm going to not budge about, Right. And it's okay to shift it and have the value shift 
depending upon what matters, what you feel is important. And therefore, you got to stick by that, though. Right. If we're going to be supporting whatever or like, let's say, making the She Podcast Live the most accessible in the sense of like the cheapest. Right. Let's say tickets will never be more than seventy five dollars. Let's say that's Mm -hmm. the thing that you lead with. Then you make your choices around affordability the whole time. Yeah. Right. Even pricing is not that simple, especially right now. I'm just saying to you that if that's the thing, then no, you but, make choices based around that. But I'm not saying no, that we're going to do that. Let's be transparent for a second while we're on a roll, right? Okay. So we're offering a virtual event where people have paid $500 for an in-person ticket for VIP and around $300 for an in-person ticket for basic. And we're going to change that content and turn it into virtual. What do you price at? If you price at $49, how are those people going to feel right. that they've already paid three and 500? If you, char- right. if you charge somewhere in the middle there, who can afford to do that for a virtual event? How can you make this copacetic for everyone? It's complicated. Nothing is as easy as it looks. Whatever the pricing is has to be fair, not only to the people who have already invested in the content, but the people who are going to invest in the content need to understand that like, it's not worth just $49, regardless of whether or not, you know, it's still a hundred speakers. It's still 75 sessions. It's still an entire novel's worth of education. And it's still cheaper than if you were to hire any one of those people for an hour, which is something you pointed out to me, I think, right? I did point it out to you. Yeah. Also, just to be transparent, people assume we're crazy, stupid, uninformed, uneducated, inexperienced, irresponsible, and thick-headed and blind. And I'm just going to tell you right now that (laughs) Well, I've been called some of those things some of the time. (laughs) I'm not any of those things all the time. You know, like I'm not I'm not really any of those things. I'm not greedy. I'm not looking for a payout. I'm not looking. I'm not being careless or incautious. I'm experienced. I have a lot of staff to help me. I have lots of support. If you want to email me with your specific thoughts or problem, that's fine. But just remember that we are not new and we know what we're doing. If you want to offer your help, first do a little research to see whether or not we need that kind of help. Who does she already have on her staff? I don't know. I guess I just have been getting a lot of like, why would you do it this way? Don't you understand? Why would you do this? Don't you get it? Like, I fucking get it. Yes, we get it. I get that this is a problem. 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 I've thought of all the things and frankly blamed myself for most of it before I've even said anything about it. Okay. So I know we know we get it. And I don't mean to be, you know, abrasive, but I've also learned this week that oppositional defiance is something that like is stays with you long after you're a child. (laughs) I've had a couple of people really feel strongly about telling me what to do. And for whatever reason, this particular week is not a good week to do that. So I'm just telling you right now. I think that most of us get what you're saying. I think I'm just trying to say, have some fucking mercy, please. 
Well, I think that it's that there's also the other layer of what we were talking about before, Jess, like when when you and I were talking about what it feels like or what I've seen come up. And this is going to be a little bit on the gendered side. This is a little bit uh, centering on humans that have given birth. But when you first, you know, have a little baby home, when you have a baby and you're at home and you're a new mama, everybody wants to know how they can help you. And a lot of the time it becomes a big, huge problem because everybody has their they want to help you so bad, but they create even more chaos around how to serve a new mom, right? Because basically, yeah. a lot of the time when moms need some things, something that I would have really, really appreciated was somebody cleaning my house when I was in the room breastfeeding my kid to just night be able to too, be with said, them. A night nurse would have been fantastic for me. My mom was actually there for me at night and she was the most helpful at all to just be able to be there and pick up my baby while I moved places around, right? I didn't need anybody to come over and see my kid. I didn't want anybody. Then I would have had to clean the house. Like I need, like there's all of these different things, right? You have to understand that even phone calls, like text, right? So those are so much, such basic things that it's like, just text. I hope you're doing well. I'm thinking of you. Then I'm going to be on the phone for 30 minutes with whatever, talking about the kid, right? It's like, you got to ask what is actually needed instead of you thinking that you know exactly what they need. Because if you were to have sent anything to our house, we would have probably sent it back. We were like, no chlorine with the diapers. Yeah. We have to hand wash it. Don't ever no, give that's Elsie not a organic. Unless you know, she's picked I, it out. Yeah. Like never you, give we, Elsie anything she hasn't picked out. That's the rule. Exactly. So absolutely. That's like and and so because it wasn't helpful to our household. I mean, look at look at what people do when Emily died. You know that story. What happened the very first day after I announced that Emily died? She died on whatever day, a Wednesday, a Thursday or something. The next day, I had seven rotisserie chickens, chickens. on the counter. No one can eat that much chicken. Okay? It doesn't matter who comes over or who wants to pay their respects. Don't nobody need seven rotisserie chickens, but you don't ask, you just help. It's very helpful, it's lovely, but it left me so distracted by the chickens that like I could it was just ridiculous, honestly. Hi, nice to see you. Would you like some chicken? I'm so glad you came. How about a bite of chicken? Like it was ridiculous. So stop sending rotisserie chickens is I think our point. <laughs> And don't send Elsie any gifts that she hasn't picked out ever. <laughs> or you can ask me. I know what she likes. And at least you can send. It. Yeah. But see, that's I think that, that's, that's what thing. it is. You want to help me ask Elsie. <laughs> if you want to help Elsie, ask me. I, we can help for each other. We can other. help. We can. And also it's like. Yes. Oh, yeah, cancel Rita. the Boston. Good God, yes. Rita. Never, ever Boston market. It is such a challenge. I mean, it, I'll it, never it really, read it again. I think it's a lot more challenging and we get it. And that's why I think I want you guys all to think about for like maybe pausing and letting us or whatever. Jess, Jess is going to create a little list, right? Jess, I'm putting you on the spot here. Yeah, yeah, That's going to be available on Friday where if you do want to help, it's going to have like a little sort of like, here's what you can do list, right? These Mm -hmm, are things mm -hmm. that you can do to help with a virtual event and or 
coming forward, leading into Orlando. And she's going to tell you exactly what we were talking about before, which is like, hey, you know what? We already have a rotisserie chicken. We would like to have some Chinese food delivered on Tuesday. Yeah. So that it would be a different a meal train. Meal. You called it a meal train. A meal train. That's right. Everybody's going to have a meal train. You can choose what part of the meal train you want to be a part of. And then that way it would be helpful because it is challenging. I think even just trying to figure all this stuff out from our own team, our own team is doing the organizational time. They need time and space. Yeah. We need to figure out the virtual event, get that online, get that for sale, And then, you know, one thing at a time, everything in time. But we are incredibly grateful for everyone who has reached out, who's texted and called and sent emails. I read every single one. It's meant everything. The support has meant just everything to me because it very much feels like the, um, I don't know. It's like, it's very much like a death. It was like something that I, yeah, in fact, I. I don't know if you want to get into that today or even right now, but um, it's the second time in a row that I've worked years to try to control a situation only to have it go way beyond my control and fail miserably. Like that's how I felt when, when, uh, when my daughter passed too. I, I took three years and every single thing I could possibly think of to do without fail to control it, to kill it, not the habit, not the kid to, manipulate it, to force it to behave, to not enable the person, you know, like the same with the event. Like I could not, I can't think of anything else that I couldn't have done to prevent it from happening. And all of it is still beyond your control. And that's the second time it's been a year's lesson, but like, yeah, it sucks. It sucks to do everything you can and then fail, which by the way, I'm not used to doing. And now it's happened to me twice and I'm not happy about it. So that's just my own personal thing. Like what's going on in my head is like, I don't know. Maybe I should stop trying to control everything, I guess. I don't know. I like to, though, because then I know it's being done right. You know? <gasps> Maybe not. Is what I just said. <laughs> Whatever. I failed twice, so I guess I shouldn't be in control. Is really what Elsie's implying, and she's probably no. I'm hey, listen. I'm not implying anything. I'm just mm-hmm. saying it's a lot. But it's of, true. To deal it's with. a lot. It's it's very triggering to have to admit that I couldn't fix it, and that is a common problem with me for the last ten years. So I have someone here that says, you know, give yourself grace. I'm trying, but. You know, have grace when you when you communicate with us too. And it's not just me. Like Melissa has made every decision yes, with me. Melissa. She has worked all day long. She's worked every day. And I know people are checking on me, making sure I'm okay, but like nobody did more to help with this than than Melissa Belfiore. And um, you know, she's Melissa at ShePodcast.com. If you wanna you know, you guys who are speakers know how hard she works to get the speakers all <laughs> sorry, Patrick just only to get the speakers all in order in order to get everything organized. But she does so much more than that. Like she she organizes everyone's tasks, what they're going to do that day. She makes sure my calendar like she's like I couldn't do anything without her. My defeat is also her defeat. So maybe reach out to her a little bit, too, and tell her how much you appreciate her. I appreciate her more than anything. 
She's done nothing but work her ass off for this event. And Margie, too, actually. My sponsorship director, Margie. It feels like, you know, again, like we tried everything and couldn't make it work. And that's like a big, it feels like a failure, even though there's extenuating circumstances. So, yeah, now Patrick is suggesting that I just make an OnlyFans account and sell. I said feet pictures because anything else, I think people would pay me to to put my clothes back on. (laughs) That's my opinion. No, don't. We'll give you money. Here, let me send you. (laughs) Oh, my (laughs) God. Just put Um, Anyway. Yeah, no, but yeah. thank you. No, everybody on yeah, the team is you. pretty Thanks, amazing. Oh, and Alana, you too. I mean, yeah. I mean, I can list the whole team. I mean, you know, no. Amanda Krill does my design. Alana Bauman has been helping me with social and TikTok. Online Drea's team is our social media management team. And, and they've been amazing and working at the drop of a hat and changing things that I change them. And Humble Hustle Studio, Chrisella and Shireen, they've been doing my advertising and helping with emails. And I have an amazing team. They all deserve undying love and support. So yep. that's all I'm saying. And then I guess with that, um, we can wrap it up. Yeah, we can wrap it up. Thank you, everybody, for being here. And then uh, I hope that you listen to all this. If any of this was helpful, you can share the link of how to help She Podcasts. That's going to be in the show notes. So there is going to be a link right at the top of where you can help. Uh, Jess is going to put that out there. Yep. It'll be um, that day. would be unbelievably uh, unbelievable for you to do that. And uh, you, we look, I hope that you guys stay subscribed or if you're not subscribed or follow the show, continue following the show. We are going to publish our recorded 400th episode next week. Yeah, Maybe we'll have a little day off Jess so that Maybe. we can just, Oh my God! You know what? It's, it's perfect Memorial because Day. it's Memorial Day. Oh my God! We get a pool. day off. And- the pool's open. I'm gonna be tan. The <laughs> pool's open. I'm gonna be tan. Yay! Yeah, it's gonna be great. So, yes, absolutely. happy Memorial Day, everyone. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for being here. Go to shepodcast.com. Find us at shepodcast on all the socials, and we'll see you next time. Love you. Love you. Mean it. Mean it. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> 